as a buy and hold investor is properly screening and selecting tenants, which is super important because it can definitely save you some headaches, some turnover costs, and maximize your profits. Best ever listeners, I'm so excited to share today's sponsor with you. It's Eastern Union Funding and Arbor Realty Trust. If you're in the multifamily space, you likely recognize these names, but have you used them? Uh, I'm guessing if you haven't, then you probably know someone who has. I can tell you personally, we have used uh, Mark Belsky. He is a point person at Eastern Union Funding as a partner with us, and he has helped us secure debt uh, for actually a deal we closed on this month. And we've worked with him. Um, In addition, my clients, my program, my consulting program have worked with him to successfully close on deals. Uh, When we were starting out, Ashcroft was starting out, we had somewhat of a track record but we weren't fully as established with our investor network. I went to him and we secured some equity, $500,000 in equity to fund one of our deals. While he works with more institutional partners, he's uh, brought $200 million in equity over the last 12 months. He was able to help us out there and we've built a relationship with him in Eastern Union funding ever since. So if you need equity for your deal, and you have a track record, then he's your point person. His number is 212-897-9875. If you need debt, then he partners up with Arbor on a lot of transactions. So if you're a multifamily borrower who wants agency or bridge debt, then that's the team to work with. Uh, We have worked with their team, both Eastern Union and Arbor, on deals and People who have purchased our deals, purchased deals from us, have used Arbor, as well as my clients in my consulting program, they've used it. So this is a recommendation that comes from firsthand experience. And the last thing I'll say about uh, working with Mark Belsky at Eastern Union is that if you need a loan guarantor but don't have that track record quite yet, then Mark can look at what you've the deal you've got and assuming it checks out, he can make introductions to people he knows as potential loan guarantors for your deal. So debt, equity, and potentially loan guarantors. Uh, all you need, well, you need to find a deal, obviously. Um, but besides that, you know the other main components of the deal they can help you out with. So talk to Mark Belsky. His email is mbelsky at easterneq.com and his phone number 212-897-9875. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. And we got a special episode today doing it live. And we got a bunch of people hanging out with us at our Cincinnati meetup. And if you ever want to come to Cincinnati and hang out with us, and attend this meetup, go to bestevercincy.com. And we're going to be jumping right into it. With us today, we've got Kay Battle. Kay, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing well. And good evening. Looking forward to our conversation. Same here. A little bit about Kay. She is a real estate investor who owns 35 units in Cincinnati. As her <laughs> company and experience grew, she started a commercial lending company called Common Sense Capital Solutions. 
and she is based in Cincinnati, Ohio. So with that being said, you want to give the best ever listeners and everyone hanging out with us a little bit more about your background? Sure. So first of all, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to be here and talking to the best ever listeners. I started my real estate investing experience in 2008, right after the market crashed. I was actually still in college at the time, but I saw a huge opportunity to jump in feet first and just see what happened. (laughs) And it went really well. So since then, I've been really focused on acquiring as many properties as I can. When the market was low, I really focused on REOs and foreclosures. I started with single families and then eventually got into small multi-units. So now the largest property that I have is nine units. And like you were saying, as my experience grew, I really wanted to branch into some other areas. So I got into commercial lending. So now my company provides financing options for real estate investors and also small businesses nationwide. Why do the shift in focus from being an active investor to lending? I'm still an active investor, but I wanted to go into lending because earlier this year, I decided to take the leap of faith to become a full-time investor and entrepreneur. So I left my job. By trade, I'm an engineer. So I left a really great paycheck to jump into something a little unknown and a little scary. So I wanted to have another source of income outside of just the properties that I had. So I'm still actively investing, growing and managing my portfolio, and then also doing the commercial lending. 2008, you got started. Yes. It's a challenging time. Definitely. You focused on REO. Yes. Tell us about your first couple deals. The first deal I purchased was a single family. It was not too far from my parents, so I was really comfortable with the area. Standard three-bedroom, two-bedroom house. I think I paid $43,000 for it. It only needed some minor cosmetic repair work. I probably put $5,000 into the property to get it rent ready. And the lady that moved in is actually still in the property. She's been there for almost 10 years, been an excellent tenant. She maintains the property really well. So it was was a great success, and I was lucky to have early success in that time period because it really propelled me to want to continue to go and continue to grow because I know a lot of people hit hurdles or run into issues when they first begin, and then they kind of steer away from real estate, but I'm really passionate about investing, and I think it's a great vehicle for you to get to the point where you can be financially independent. Where'd you get the money to buy that first one? I got a loan. I had been working, and I had a little bit of money saved up, so I was able to have a down payment. The down payment wasn't very much. It was 10% or so. And at the time, banks weren't lending, so I was looking into some private options, and that's another reason why I wanted to get into the commercial lending business, because I kind of understand the struggle of not being able to go to the bank and get a loan. Mm -hmm. So who gave you the loan? Was it a bank or a private individual? It was actually a small local community bank. Which one? New Foundation. Are you familiar? Uh They're on Coleraine Avenue. Okay. Yep. So they were able to work with me. Like I said, I had a little bit of money saved up, and I was able to get the loan and then put the tenant in, and, and it was great. So it cash flowed really well. I rented the property out for $850. The tenant paid all the utilities, and it was great. You just have that I still have it today. same loan on the property yep. today? Yep, hmm You bought some properties from the bank early yep. on. And then what was the next phase of your investing? Eventually, as I grew, again, this is when the market was pretty low. I have some properties that I purchased with cash that were free and clear, but they were very low. So I think one of my best deals was a property that I purchased for $14,000. And I put about $10,000 into the property. It has three bedrooms, two bathrooms. It rents for $900. Where's it at? It's in Westwood on a nice little quiet street. 
and the tenant pays all the utilities, so it cash flows really well. So I have deals like that that were pretty low in cost that I was able to pay cash for. Then I have other properties that I do have loans on and mortgages. So, But I ensure when I purchase that the property is going to cash flow appropriately and make sense. Are you managing them? I do. I self-manage with the help of my father because he loves me. <laughs> <laughs> so we use Dildium as a management software. Some lessons learned on that. A lesson that I've learned that is super important for me as a buy and hold investor is properly screening and selecting tenants which is super important because it can definitely save you some headaches, some turnover costs, and maximize your profits. So I personally use a point system. Buildium has a service where they do the screening, the actual check. So they'll do the background check, the credit check, and all of that. But then I use a point system as I'm evaluating the actual application to make an objective determination of whether or not the tenant should be in the property. What's the story of something that has not gone right from the management side? Oh, a lot of things. (laughs) One thing that I learned early on is collecting rent can be difficult. So initially when we were self-managing or myself and my father, we were allowing tenants to mail in checks or we would go pick up rent and that just got too hectic. Things would get lost in the mail. People would say they were mail things and we didn't get them. So now I only accept electronic payment. Mm And that was something that I learned and that I've implemented, and it's going really well. If someone says they don't have a bank account, what's your response? If they don't have a bank account, I require them to deposit their rent into my bank account. Okay. So I do have tenants that don't have bank accounts. I try to steer away from that because I would prefer people to pay electronically. But I have some older tenants who don't do well with technology, so I have them go to the bank and deposit their rent into my account. So I have an account specifically for that. So nothing else is in the account and they're able to put their money into the account. So the onus is not on me to ensure that I collect their rent. Mm-hmm. What's been the most challenging deal that you've worked on? Hmm. The most challenging deal that I've worked on. I would say that one of the most costly challenges that I've had is working with a contractor that I didn't properly vet. So that's one thing that I always encourage investors to properly vet your contractors. So in this situation, I ended up losing about (laughs) $20,000. So it was super painful and not a fun experience, but I hired a contractor. I was planning to actually hold the property, but it needed kind of a major renovation. And he was suggested to me from another contractor. And since he was suggested, I just didn't think to really do any search. But he was totally a scam. And he halfway did the job. The work that he did was sketchy. And then he ended up running off and I never heard from him again. What did the first contractor say about him whenever you... You know, it's funny because the first contractor was recommended for me from someone who I trusted. And then he was too busy, so he said, I have one of my guys, he can do the job. So when I came back to the first contractor, he told me that he basically found the guy on Craigslist Mm -hmm. and that he had just hired him because he needed someone to help facilitate his jobs that he was doing. So he didn't even know the guy personally. So that was just a, a huge learning experience. So now I ensure that I vet contractors, I get references. 
search them on Google, make sure they don't have any judgments against them, look at reviews and just make sure that they're totally legit. And then I also try to work with contractors that don't require money up front. I know a lot of contractors aren't willing to do this, but some are. And that really shows that they're only interested in getting paid in the work that they've already completed and work that's up to your standards. So I try to work with contractors that don't require that. And if I must pay, I only do a third up front. I believe you mentioned earlier, switching gears a little bit, that the largest deal you have is a nine unit. Correct? Yes. What are the numbers on that one? In terms of? Bought it for, what have you done with the property? When did you buy it? Yep, so I bought the property in 2016. I paid $215,000 for it. All of the units are one units. The property was really well maintained. I probably had to put maybe about $10,000 in. I had to update some of the electrical for the insurance company and then do some other things around the property. But for the most part, it was pretty great. The tenants are mostly older tenants, which is nice because it keeps the building quiet and they usually pay their rent on time. A lot of them have assistance. So the units rent for a range of $500 and $575. Um, and it's going well. The utilities, I pay the water and the heat for the common areas, and then everything else is managed by the tenants. Is there an opportunity to do rubs on that? You know, I'm looking into that. It seems to be something that would definitely help from an expense standpoint because the water bill can get pretty intensive with the nine unit. About how much is that? I feel like now that they've gone to monthly bills, it's gone up pretty significantly, but I usually pay about close to $1,000 a month for the water. What's an expense ratio for a nine unit whenever you're looking at a deal or expenses income ratio? Typically, I like to keep it about 40%. Mm -hmm. For this one, like I said, the maintenance on it is pretty low. It's really just the utilities that are consistently in expense, so it's not that high. What type of financing do you have on it? So I just have a 30-year mortgage on it. Okay. Yep, and I put down 25% to purchase it, so the rest has been financed. What's it worth now, would you guess, two years later? Honestly, I don't know, but I feel like with the market the way it is now, what I paid for it was a steal. I paid 215 for the nine units, so I don't know what it would be worth now, but I'm assuming that it's probably gone up significantly in value. Is there a plan to do a refinance, or are you keeping it long-term? I want to keep it long-term, but I am in the process of refinancing just to cash out some of the equity in it, but I'm very early in the process, so we haven't done the appraisal yet, but I'm assuming there's quite a bit of equity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Common Sense Capital Solutions, commercial lending company, how much have you lent so far? We're close to $2 million, so we're about $1.7. And within that $1.7, who has been your sweet spot client? We do real estate and then we also do business loans, so I have sweet spots in both. But for real estate, it seems to be the fix and flip client that seems to be one of the ones that we do quite often. When you take a look at your portfolio, you got 35 units. Yes. What property takes up the most amount of your time since you self-manage? 
So you mean a particular property or the yeah, type of property? A specific property. Okay. Yep. So I have a property. It's a five unit and it takes up the most amount of my time. And I think it's because of the location, also the state of the property. So I purchased the property also in 2016 and I paid, I think, 115 for it somewhere around there and it's five units but it had been on the market for almost two years when i bought it wow well we're about to find out yeah <laughs> <laughs> well the owner of the property was out of state and they had a management company managing it and the management company really wasn't doing a great job so the property was kind of ran down but the owner wasn't willing to budge on the price at all so i'm assuming that they got several offers but they were below what they were asking because it did have a lot of deferred maintenance so i ended up paying full price for the property which i think was still a great deal but it just needed a lot of maintenance to kind of get it up and going but there were already tenants in it so it's just been a constant this needs to be fixed this needs to be fixed but we're getting to a point where it's pretty stable and the first thing you said about it was the area yes so what about the area is challenging it is off of westwood northern boulevard and it's a great rental area but the caliber of tenant is a little on the lower end so like i said i screen my tenants really well so i get good people in there, but a lot of good tenants don't want to live in that area. So it's kind of hard to find good tenants willing to live there. Since we are switching up the lightning round for this conversation, we're going to take questions from the audience. I'm going to ask you a couple questions from the lightning round just because I'm curious. What's your best ever deal? My best ever deal is actually the one that I mentioned previously, the one that I paid $14,000 for. It's really low maintenance. It cash flows really well. And it was definitely a steal for what I paid for it. How'd you find it? MLS. At the time, there was just so many REOs and foreclosures and properties on the MLS. You can go to the MLS and find whatever you wanted. It's much different now. <laughs> How long ago did you purchase the last property? 2016. So I shut it down. Well, let me take that back. So 2016 was the last property that I purchased to hold. In 2017, I did two flips which I haven't done a lot of. My primary source is buy and hold, but I did do two flips in 2017. I've been trying to find more property. It's just been really difficult. So I decided to focus on the lending side until the market makes another adjustment and I can kind of jump in again. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction other than the contractor? A mistake that I've made on a transaction? I would say improperly evaluating value. So one thing that I've learned through this process is how to kind of assess the market and see what I believe something should be evaluated at. But I have made mistakes, particularly when I, I've done a flip that I thought something would sell for X and really it didn't warrant that price. So maybe I put too much money into it to get all of my money back. What aspect of the valuation did you look at incorrectly or differently than what you would in the future? It's hard to properly value when you don't have proper comps. So looking at the comps, I just misjudged what I could get for the property. And I was putting higher in finishes than I probably should have for the area that I was in. So definitely a learning experience. Then what's your best real estate investing advice ever? My best real estate investing advice ever, 
action. So I know a lot of people educate, educate, learn, learn, learn. But what my philosophy is, is learn as you go. So you have to take action. So wherever you are in your stage or in your journey in investing in whatever goals you have, just work towards your goals. Don't stay stagnant. Just take action. Just do something. What kind of engineer are you? Chemical. How have you applied that to your investing now? So as an engineer, I'm very process oriented. So everything that I do, even in my investing, I try to create some type of system or process to follow. So it makes everything very strategic. For example. So even with the tenant screening, how I was saying that I have a point system. So the point system is very detailed and there it encompasses a lot of different things and everything is assigned a point amount. So that's kind of just a system that I go through in the property management. Everything that I do has a flow to it and I attribute that to my mind as an engineer. So. We're going to do questions from the audience. First, quick word from our best ever partners. Do you need debt for your deal, equity for your deal, or maybe a loan guarantor to help you get qualified for the financing? Talk to Mark Belsky. His number is 212-897-9875. That's 212-897-9875. His email is mbelsky at Eastern. EQ.com. See a rundown or abandoned house? Well, snap a picture with the Deal Machine app to instantly find the owner and get in touch via direct mail, email, and phone in just 10 seconds. Search Deal Machine in your app store or visit DealMachineApp.com. All right, so I just got a question. You mentioned you make your, your tenants pay online. Do you make conventions in the building portal? Or is there another online? Yeah. Oh, maybe. Oh, sorry. Oh, maybe no, can no. you restate the question? Okay. So the question was, how do I make my tenants pay online? Do I make them use the building on portal or is there another vehicle that I use? I use the building on portal. That's part of the package. So each tenant has a separate logon where they can access their information and then they pay online. If they use a credit card, they're charged the 2.75% fee. If they have it directly deposited from a checking or a savings account, there is no fee. And then, like I said, if they don't have that option, I require that they actually physically take it to the bank. When you count uh, the payment, making the deposits to your bank account, what if they will make partial payment for their rent? How will you deal with that if they want to like, get out of the lease or whatever and want to make partial payments? So the question was, how do I handle tenants wanting to make partial payments through the Buildium system? With Buildium, you can actually, there's a setting that allows you to not accept partial payments. And I believe that's true for a lot of the other platforms that accept payments as well. So if you don't want to allow tenants to accept partial payments, you can select that within the settings. I typically accept partial payments, but a late fee is associated. So if they don't pay the entire balance, they then have to pay a late fee. I want to make sure that when they do pay to your account, is that they can go to the bank and make a deposit to your account, and there is no, they, do they do it for building still, or they just tell the account number and just do it like that? When they're depositing it in the bank, you just give them their account number? Yeah, yeah, so I give them my account number not for the bank, building. not through building them. And like I said, the account that I use is specifically for that. So they can't withdraw any money. They can only deposit. And there's really nothing else in the account. It's specifically for them to deposit their rent. So you talked that your chemical engineer 
did a good job, a good, well-paying job at GE, I believe, and you left that. Was that an easy decision? And if not, how did you decide to, to, to do it? So the question was, was it an easy decision for me to leave my career to become a full-time investor and entrepreneur? It was easy in the sense that I always knew that this is what I was going to do. So I always had a plan, even from the beginning when I purchased my first property, that I wanted to get to the point where I could leave my job. So I was working at P&G, and I really loved my job, but I knew that that wasn't what I wanted to do. I never intended to climb the corporate ladder. I knew that I wanted to be an investor and a full-time entrepreneur. So it was easy in that sense. It was hard because I was leaving a paycheck. So it was scary in that sense. So I really tried to prepare myself and set myself up for success. I had a decent amount of money saved up. I had a plan. And once the time came, I was ready to go. And there was no looking back. How do you know how much money should be saved up? I always encourage people to have an emergency fund of at least six months worth of savings. And then anything beyond that is up to your comfort level. So I wanted to be comfortable for what I felt like was a decent amount of time. So I needed to have a year to two years saved. So it's really up to the person. It's a personal preference, but I suggest at least six months. Understanding that you bought your rentals in a more investor-friendly market and that you're not really desperate to buy them now, if you were going to buy a rental property now, what kind of numbers or what kind of return would you have to get to be willing to buy it? You don't have to. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's a great question. So I would have to think about that. But one thing I will say is that I won't purchase anything less than five units at the moment. And probably moving forward, I want to focus on multi-units larger. And then in terms of a return, it's really hard to say because I don't want to be unrealistic giving the market and I know what I'm gotten to the market in and it's just so different it's just so hard I have a chip on my shoulder and a different perspective because I'm like you want me to pay what for what and I could have bought this back then at this amount of money so it's just difficult to kind of wrap my head around what's to expect you're squirreling away cash waiting for something to happen in the economy right yep. why not just hold on to that cash so you're selling at the top of the market, hold on to the cash, and then buy at the bottom. That's a good strategy, too. I just feel like at this moment, the cash flow that I'm making from the properties is sustaining my living as well. So if I was to sell everything and get a lump sum of money, I'm dwindling this money down waiting for the market to change again. And who knows when that's going to be. We think it's going to be soon. But at that point, I don't know how much money I'm going to have left. So. I'm trying to be strategic about playing this game long term and what looks right for me. And at the moment, I'm considering doing some refinances, some cash outs, and then jumping back in once the market shifts again. And okay, we'll do one more question. Yes, sir. Uh, I guess mine's kind of a two-part. Whereabout is that property that was on Westwood Northern that was your biggest time fees? It's on Ferncroft. Okay. So just kind of in the Westwood area? Yep. Did you purchase that because the numbers just really made a ton of sense at the time? Or did you expect there to be kind of like a revitalization, more people investing in that area? At the time, the numbers made sense. So typically when I buy, that's what I look at. And then anything extra beyond that is icing on the cake. 
So the numbers make sense. I only purchased the property for a little over $100,000 and it was five units. And like I said, at the time, all of the units were rented. So it was cash flowing. It just was kind of ran down a little bit. Okay, thank you so much thank for you. talking to us. First ever time we've done this in front of a bunch of people. Enjoyed learning about your career after you left the cushy job yes. and went on as an entrepreneur and what you've done, the 35 units, the contractor lesson. That's a question that we're going to work with some contractors for some things that I'm doing personally. And that's something I hadn't thought of to ask. If someone recommended someone that I was working with, okay, great. You're right. a friend of so-and-so. But the next question is, how do you know that person? Exactly. Again? And still qualify them like they came from a Google search, right. even though they came from a trusted source. Yes. So thanks for being on the show, Thank hanging you. out with us, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much. See a rundown or abandoned house? Well, snap a picture with the Deal Machine app to instantly find the owner and get in touch via direct mail, email, and phone in just 10 seconds. Search Deal Machine in your app store or visit dealmachineapp.com.